Wasn't that a great story? I mean, isn't that awesome? Do you see the joy when people thrive, when people are ahead? And you might just be sitting there going, well, you know, I don't, that's their story. Listen, don't be a hater. Learn how to, <laughs> learn how to play the game. I mean, come on, get on board with this and learn how to be, learn how to thrive. And that's what we've been talking about, how to not uh, just survive and just get by, but to really learn the principles of God about how to, how to, uh, have more than enough and to get to the end of the month and have extra money. Some of you say, well, what is extra money, Darren? I don't know what that is. Extra money is, is opportunity. Extra money is, is, is having the ability to say yes to God and to be on mission with him and to do whatever he tells you to do. And there's no more obstacles uh, because you're held back. And that's what really I want for you in this series. So we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah. So if you'd go there, Nehemiah chapter 5 today, and then also put a marker in 2 Kings chapter 4 if you can find that. It'll be on, it, it won't be on the screen, but it's in your notes. But I want to tell you about uh, this amazing story again of how Nehemiah led some people who were in financial ruin. I mean, they were devastated. They had no margin. They had no wall. There, the, the wall is a metaphor for people who have no space, no buffer. The enemies can just come in and take whatever they want whenever. And these people were broke, and they couldn't be on mission for God. And when, when, when God's leader came with a humble heart, and when those people responded to the word of the Lord, and they put their minds to it, God did a miracle. That wall had been down for 140 years, and the people came together, and they got, they, they got on mission and that wall was built in 52 days. And my challenge to you has been, if God can provide to build a wall of margin around a city in 52 days, what will happen if you decided that you were going to see a wall of margin built in your own personal financial life by the end of this year? And, and what about if this is not the season of time where you could say, I'm going to get my house in order. And I'm going to prepare myself for an incredible 2013 to be on mission with God. In, in the sixth chapter of this incredible book, we get this statement, and the wall was built in 52 days. It was an incredible miracle of God. But you don't get to chapter six without going through chapter five. And moving from just surviving to thriving is not an easy journey. It's difficult, it's hard, it's challenging, change is never easy, and in chapter 5 we hear of an incident that occurred when the foundation was laid and the wall was being, beginning to build, and they, they were initially excited, but then reality hit, and this, this great miracle was almost aborted, and these people almost did not see what God had intended for them, so I want to walk you through this difficult experience that the people of Israel had, and I think it's going to be helpful to you. In the fifth chapter, in the first verse, they were building the wall, and suddenly there was this great outcry among the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren, and the work stopped, and people started to complain and to criticize and to argue, and there was this strike for there were those who said, we and our sons and our daughters were many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were some who said, we've mortgaged all of our lands and our vineyards and our houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. Okay, so now there's all these people that have, that have been inspired to move into the city to build this wall. And there's a food shortage. And there's overpopulation. And demand is causing prices to skyrocket. And people are saying, we can't afford anything. And they're going into debt just to buy food. 
And then there were those who said, we've borrowed money for the king's tax on our land and vineyards. So now there's this incredible tax that they have to pay, and, and it's, it's squashing them as well. So now they're going into debt just to pay their taxes. And then there was another cry, some who were saying, listen, you know, our flesh is like the flesh of our brethren. Our, our children are just like their children. And indeed, they're forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. Some of our daughters have even been forced into slavery. It's not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our land and our vineyards. So there were some who were a little more well-off that were taking advantage of the situation, charging extremely high interest rates. It was called usury. And now here, here the people were suffering because their people were oppressing them. And so everybody's just, we've had it. We, we can't do any more. You know, we're mortgaging our future. And maybe some of you have felt like this at times. Maybe they're not coming to collect your children, but you've mortgaged their future because the creditors are calling and you don't know how you're going to pay all of the bills. These people were in a devastated situation. Now, a miracle is about to happen, but they couldn't see it. They couldn't see what was in their future. Right now, it seemed totally hopeless. So today, I just want to talk to you briefly about having more than enough, about how God has already planned and has provided more than enough that, that for what you need to get out of debt and to thrive and to live on the rest. But there's a path that you have to go through to get there. I want to talk about that today, more than enough. Are you with me? You ready? All right, you ready to go? It's not just, it's not too early. You're going to say amen a few times. You're going to help me out this morning. Otherwise, I'm going to come down there and get some of you, all right? No, I'm just kidding. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. I pray that you would uh, speak so that I can hear you clearly and that everyone here can hear you clearly. It doesn't matter what I say. It's really what you impress on their hearts today and that they'll say yes to you. Holy Spirit, grab a hold of our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. If we're ever going to thrive... Here's what we're going to have to do. I'll make it real simple. We're going to have to deal with the need for more. I wish it was more complicated that I could sound smart, but it's, it's really not that hard. We're going to have to deal with the question of having more to be happy. I grew up uh, the son of a missionary who were, who were children of missionaries who grew up in the Depression, and these people saved everything. They, they saved all of their saran wrap because you can wash it and use it again. They saved all the little containers. They saved soup cans. My grandmother would save the toilet paper rolls. I don't know what for, but she saved them. She had a little stack of them. And they just never threw anything away because everything had value. Not so with our culture. Our culture will throw things away. Our culture will just get, you know, we, we just get it and we throw it out. It's out of style, out of date, it's old, we wore it once. Um, the new thing came and we pitch out the old and we have new. And so consequently, we're seeing big containers leave our houses, waste management containers, every single week. Maybe one, maybe two, sometimes even three of those that the truck is coming to get. So I sent some of our pastors on assignment this week to go find your stuff, okay? So here's a picture. Here's Pastor Clary here. And Pastor Clary is going to be on the screen, I think, momentarily. There he is at the local landfill looking for your stuff. Here's Pastor Jared. He went also there as well. Go ahead and hit click. All right, and show me the next one right now because he found all your stuff, and there it is. All right, that's everything, that's everything that, that, that you've been living for. This is where it ends up. At the end of the day, this is where all of our stuff goes. This was a 200-foot hole up here in Hamilton County. It is now one of the highest points in our entire community because there's just so much stuff. And what we are living for, think about all the stuff that you're pursuing. This is the final uh, resting place of all of the stuff that you're living for. 
Now, we live in a culture that says this is all the stuff that you have to have to be happy. And it's not really the stuff. It's really this lifestyle that you need to buy. You need to have this lifestyle. We've been conditioned for years to, be, to care so much about the opinions of other people that this is the house you must have and the car you must have and these are the clothes you must wear and here's the label that needs to be on the inside of the collar. But when it ends up in the landfill, does it really matter what label is on, the, on that shirt that's laying there on the ground? It doesn't really matter, but that's where it's all going. And so the issue is not financial income. Uh, the issue is, is our lifestyle. If we don't address the lifestyle issue, if we don't address our landfill uh, consumer heart, more money is not going to solve the problem. And I think that's an important distinction to make when we're talking about God providing for us supernaturally to get us out of debt. Because it's the dissatisfaction with what we have that makes us throw out perfectly good things and make us hunger for more. It's what makes you throw out the pillows, the comforter, the dust ruffle, and the matching balance, you know, because the whole monochrome Calvin Klein thing doesn't work anymore. You know, we need to have something different. It needs to be redone. And, and you call it creativity. And you say, well, I just like to make change. Really? Or is it just masking dissatisfaction? Is it just masking a sense like this isn't enough and I need something more to be happy? It's that desire for something more that makes us say, well, I need the next toy or the next thing or the next trip. And people don't have money problems. They have management problems and they have a landfill lifestyle. Imagine with me that this dollar bill represents how we as Americans are spending our money. Right now, nationally, this is what it looks like. 24% of what you're spending is going towards housing. The house that you have, the insurance, your comfort. It's not just the mortgage payment. It's the maintenance. It's the, it's the lawn service. It's everything that goes around with just having a place to live. 19% is going towards health care and the insurance and all the stuff that we need to provide for you know, our safety and our security. That's the NyQuil. That's the doctor's appointments. That's the um, Tylenol. That's everything. 22% of your dollar is going towards, you know, having a good time, recreation, uh, fun, uh, the things that we need to do to be happy, going out, uh, buying the stuff uh, that we need, um, that the trips that we take to, to be happy. 15% of the dollar we're eating up, it goes in our stomach, it's the meals out and all the stuff that we do uh, to eat, and the last 17% ends up getting spent on what we drive, which is the car and the insurance and the gas that goes in it, and, and th these margins shift you know, month to month, but basically these are the categories, so what's left over? Where is the margin? Well, believe it or not, Americans are fairly generous people, and the studies indicate uh, that 2% that, uh, of Americans, or Americans by and large give 2% of their income away to good causes. Now, if you're a Christian, if you go to church, if you're a follower of God, God's my Lord and Savior, he's my friend, those people gave an average of 3%. Wow, a whole percent more. Uh, they gave that away. And that's what we do with the whole dollar. That's how we spend it. Actually, it's kind of worse than that, and the question mark is there, because not everybody did that. It was just an average. Most people overspent the categories. And so what happened was is that there really wasn't enough to ever give away 2% or even 1% or any percent because all of the categories had been overspent to some degree. And so people don't know that they're upside down because they're making the minimum payments on the credit card. Do you know that the average spending is about 122% of income right now across the nation? And so we say, look at this country with its national debt. Well, it's happening at a, at a microscopic level, household to household, in the way that we're living our consumer life. And so, so the question is, is, it's really, really important to say, you know, we don't really have money uh, problems. We have management issues. 
And I just got back this week from Sierra Leone, West Africa, where we've been involved for several years now providing clean water. And I sat there again with just my heart uh, pounding with, with, with uh, mothers and fathers celebrating the greatest thing that has ever happened in their life to that point, which is the arrival of this well, this clean water, that they and their children uh, don't live in fear of cholera, and they don't have to walk miles to pick up this, you know, this, uh, this, this bucket of water from a putrid swamp, but they just get to walk out of their house and go to the center of their village and pump this clean water. And, and, if those, and I always get this strange thing. If they were reversed and I brought them back here, and, and some of those people were to sit here, and they would, they, would, they would hear stories that you are financially stressed out. They would be amazed. They would be shocked. They would say, like, how can you possibly be stressed out financially? How can you be having arguments with your husband and your wife and your kids in your four and your five-bedroom, six-bedroom house? It just is beyond me. Well, the funny thing is, is you say the same things, too. You look at people who have more or who have more income. You say, you know, if only I had their income, sheesh, you know, what their problems must be like. And we always look to the next level and we say, well, if only I had a little bit more. And see, that's always the answer. If I just, you know, Darren, I, I hear what what you're saying, but if I just had $1,000 a month more, I'd make it all work. Or if I had, you know, $10,000 more a year, this thing would come together. But the thing that's true is that we have always uh, been making more money. We make more money today than we did 10 years ago, but we don't have margin now. We didn't have margin then. And so the issue is not income. The issue is lifestyle. And I just want to say how important this is because if, if we're going to understand and even get to the idea and walk through this story that God is going to, has the ability to provide for you supernaturally to get out of debt, how can that ever happen if we don't have the right attitude? If, how can that ever happen um, if, if, if can he provide supernaturally for us if we're living for the landfill? When he knows we're really not safe to bless because to give you more would just be to send out more. And so I want you to see this, hear, hear all of that, and that's the backdrop for, for Nehemiah's reaction when he heard the news that the people of God had stopped working on the wall. And when he began to find out why uh, they weren't working and he heard the stories of all their financial conditions, you know what his reaction was? You know what his, his, uh, his emotional response was? It says in verse 6 that he got angry. Yeah, it says, I was really angry when I heard this news. And it's kind of shocking because you say, well, what? He didn't have compassion? He didn't feel bad for people who were mortgaging off their families and the people who were struggling so hard? He didn't feel sad for them? No, he felt angry. He felt upset because, because he saw mismanagement. He saw corruption. He saw waste. He saw people uh, being taken advantage of, and he just got ticked. He, ah, this is horrible. Why is this happening? You see, righteous indignation. I mean, think, think about this. In, in our state, in Indiana right now, the average consumer debt per household right now, look this up, is about $13,000 per family, credit card debt across the state. Does that mean that in our community right here, this community of fishers right around here, there's about 26,000 households? Are you telling me that we together are sitting, suffocating under the weight of $338 million of debt? Does that mean that, that literally 50 to $60 million of debt, uh, of credit card interest payments are leaving 
our community just going out to banks and financial institutions, leaving our community for, with nothing for us to show for it? Doesn't that just, something just burns me about that. There's something about that goes, that's wrong. That's not right. Does that mean for our church that, that if you take those same numbers and, and look at the number of people that we are, we are as a community together, that we're really $26 million in consumer debt together and what could be done and what mission God would have us do and what change we could make if only we could get free? I'm not sure that Nehemiah didn't have the wrong response. He just, oh, it's so frustrating. Are you with me? Isn't that frustrating? And so he was angry and he says, this isn't right. What a bunch of missed opportunity. And he was mad because people had been living ignoring the word of God. They'd forgotten the law, disobeying it completely. I'll just pick one of the laws that they forgot in Leviticus uh, chapter 25. It said specifically, if one of your brethren becomes poor, if he falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him. Like a stranger or a sojourner, like, like a foreigner, like one of the aliens that live in your community. It, you'll take no interest or usury from them, but you will fear the Lord your God. They, they'll live with you. You know, take them in. That your brother may live with you. You shall not lend to him money uh, on interest. You shall not lend him your food at a profit. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out. Don't you remember? I brought you out so that I could bless you. I, I blessed you and you didn't have anything. I, I called you to be a unique people. I called you not to be like everyone else who got ahead just by taking from other people. I said, I'm going to take you out of slavery, and I'm going to bless you, and you'll be like me, and then you're going to be like me, and you're going to bless others. And they're not going to be like every, every other nation, every other nation who believes that the pie of life is fixed and finite, and that the only way you get more is to get ahead and, you know, better grab while you can, while you can. Take what you can, while you can, because you don't know how long it's going to last. There's only so much to go around. So grab it quickly. And, and if somebody else doesn't get as much as you, too bad, survival of the fittest. And God's saying, that's not how it's supposed to be with the people of God. I wanted you not just to survive, I wanted you to thrive. I wanted you to be a blessing to the nations, a blessed people. That other nations, people would look at you and say, well, there's the people of God. Look, look at them. Look at how God is blessing them. Look at the order and look at the provision and look at how, look at how they care for one another. And, when, and as, as they saw your behavior and your lifestyles, they would say, there must be a God in heaven. I don't want you to live like takers because I want you to be like me. I want you to be a giver, and then I'll bless you. So he was saying, you know, quit taking advantage of people. Take care of your family. Take care of the poor. Show kindness to the alien and the foreigner because love supersedes money. You do the right things. You put me first. You, you obey my principles. You know, taking care of your family, taking care of the people around you, putting me first in your life, then I will preserve you, I will protect you, and I will provide for you. That's my guarantee. Now, God gave this guarantee to his people, and the people had forgotten it, and they were living like there was no God. Like, I had to take care for myself, for me and for mine. And that began to break down in their society, and they were now at each other's throats, taking what they could take, blaming everybody else for their problems. And Nehemiah, got, he's like, you're going to be like this for another 140 years unless you change. There is no going forward unless something changes in your heart. And Nehemiah's response in verse 9 of this chapter, he just calls it out. He says, what you're doing is not right. 
Should you not walk in the fear of the Lord your God so that you will not be a reproach or an embarrassment to me among the nations? I mean, aren't you, aren't you worried at all? Shouldn't you walk in fear that the nations will mock me because of your behavior? You're mismanaging what I've given to you. It's time for this to stop. And so he addresses those in power and those with wealth and those who run the companies and those who have uh, been given more. And he says to them, stop exploiting the poor. Stop taking, what, uh, stop taking advantage of them just because you have the upper hand and you have the ability. Show kindness and return this very day what you've been extracting from them. And to the other people, to everybody else, he said, stop playing the victim. Remember that you have a God who is your provider. Quit wringing your hands like there's no God and that you're on your own. And you, you, you quit losing your distinction in the eyes of your neighbors. Just what Satan would want for this whole work to stop. For you to start, you know, uh, griping and complaining at authority and uh, throwing attitude and speaking evil and walking off the job. This is not good. And the people were silent and they had nothing to say. And they felt the conviction of God and they heard the word of the Lord. And in verse 12, they said, all right, what do we have to do? We'll do exactly what you say. And each one received the word of the Lord and obeyed it. And when they had a change of heart and when they began to do what God told them to do, listen, it wasn't 30 days and that which was totally impossible, God supernaturally provided and a wall was built. Total time, 52 days and about 30 days from when this crisis arose. Because the people said, we're not gonna live for myself any longer. I'm gonna obey God. I'm gonna be a good steward of what he's given to me. I'm not gonna take advantage of people anymore. I'm gonna put God first. I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna be happy with what I have. I'm gonna be, it's enough is it gonna be enough. And, and as of this day, I get up out of my depression, no more excuses, and I'm going to get out of this debt that we're in. When the people received his message, and they said, we'll do what you say, God supernaturally provided, and the people began to thrive. I only have two things I want you to really remember and just ponder this this whole week as you just really think about what I'm saying. The first thing is this. When you get serious about dealing with your debt, that's when God is gonna provide in your life. When you get serious to say, I will not be living for the landfill anymore, but I'm gonna live for the purposes of God. The purpose of getting margin in my life is for mission, for the mission of God. And when you get your heart and your attitude and your decision, I'm going to get out from under this slavery, I'm gonna do whatever I can uh, because, because I am going to live on mission for God, put him first, that's when God says, all right, now you're safe to bless. And he can show up and show himself strong. The second thing is that I want to tell you is that the miracle that, that, that you need to get out from where you are today is already within your reach. It's already provided. It's already there. God has already placed more than enough into your own house. You just don't have the ability to see it right now because you're caught up living in the landfill lifestyle. But he knows that if you can be trusted that what he sends to you isn't gonna keep going out in the same pattern. If he knows he can trust you, then he already has a miracle ready and waiting for you. And I believe with all of my heart, not just because I read it or somebody told me, because I've experienced this in my own life. When you make God's principles and his priorities your priorities, everything starts to change. And he can pay off that debt faster and quicker and put margin back in your life. Nobody could have imagined that those people could have built that wall in 52 days, and no one will believe that God can do the miracle he wants to do in your life. Real quickly, this principle's all the way through the scripture, but it's in 2 Kings chapter four, where you have this woman who had the same situation, financially destitute because her husband died. He was, 
he left her with nothing. By the way, the scriptures speak about this, that guys, if you leave your wife with debts that they can't pay and leave them destitute, it's like the worst, most horrible thing. First uh, Timothy chapter five says, it's like, it's like you're worse than an unbeliever, worse than an infidel is the word. So, so this lady got left with nothing. And so, so she comes to Elisha the prophet and says, what do I do? I'm, I'm desperate. And he says to her this, he says, all right, first question, strange question, well, what do you have in your house? See, the really wise way to deal with, with people, wise people, when people that God puts in your life to help you, they'll ask that question. They'll, they'll not just give you what you think you need. They'll, they'll say, you know, how can I help this person in a way that requires their own work and their own ingenuity? I just gave you something really good right there. Amen, Pastor Aaron. Preach on, Darren. That's really good. I'm telling you, give them some, don't just hand out, give them something that requires their own work and ingenuity. That's a, so he says, what's in your house? He says, I don't have anything in my house. I just got a little jar of oil, which is, what, which is what you have in your house. You've got an asset within your reach. You just haven't seen it, and you minimize it just like everybody else does because we're just living for ourselves. We haven't really, but God says, uh, God says through the prophet, what's in your house? A little jar of oil, that's all I've got. He said, all right, that's all you need. I want you to go out and I want you to borrow containers from all your neighbors. Go back in your house, close the door, and start pouring that oil into the containers. What? That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Go do it. So she obeys the word of the Lord. And in this story is this incredible metaphor. I'm telling you, it's the greatest business plan that's right there, that how God will provide for you. When you decide in your heart, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever they say, to get out of this debt. And so God said, first thing, oh, open up your eyes and discover the asset that's right within your reach. Secondly, you know, think big. Don't think small. Go ask everybody. Don't ask for just a few containers. Ask for a lot. And she went and got a lot of these containers. She started pouring, and the more she poured... Fill that up. Give me another container. She kept pouring, and God was supernaturally providing oil for her container. Bring me another one. Kept pouring. (laughs) Bring me another one. And she kept pouring until all the containers were used up. Bring me another one. There aren't any containers left, and that's when the oil stopped. She goes back to Elisha and says, look at this. Look at all this that happened. It was a miracle. And he goes, that's right. Now go sell the oil, pay off the debt, and live on the rest with you and your sons. Okay, think about this. God has what you need already within your reach. He's given you an idea, a skill, a talent, an ability, an asset, something that's there. You just haven't seen it, but God opened up your ideas. He turned on the light bulb. He starts to provide miraculously when the attitude of the heart was, was right. And, she's, and he says, think big, don't think small. What I have found, when you decide that you're going to get, like, this is what God's called me to do. I have no idea how I'm going to do it. But you get your heart aligned with the principles of God. You know what he does? He sends people around you to help you. And that's what he's done in my life. I showed up here 10 years ago. I didn't know one person. Didn't have any money really. Didn't have, only had this dream that God used my life for your purposes here. And I can tell you the story of 10 years has been great people, amazing people just coming around saying, well, how can I help? How can I be involved? How can I, how can I assist? And I've watched God provide and bless and bring incredible people around. God has people lined up to help you if you'll get your heart right and say, we are getting out of debt. We are going to do whatever it takes. We are going to, we're going to serve the Lord. He's going to be first. I'm going to take care of my family. You know that it is a good goal, a great goal to take care of your family. Oh, please say amen to that one. That is a godly goal. That's not a bad thing. When you say God's going to be first, I'm going to take care of my family. And God, I want to bless the people around me. I want to be on mission with you. God's going to bless that. And he's going to bring people around that'll help you get there. And then she says, go sell it, you know, pay off the debt. 
and live on the rest. God has a plan to supernaturally get you out of debt, but it will not happen if you're just living for the landfill. If you're just living this consumer life where, where it's just coming in and going out and you're not thinking, of, you know, get your heart aligned with the principles of God. Decide in your heart, no more excuses. I mean, the day for excuses is over. God can do great things in your life. I don't care how old you are. I had a man come up to me after the first service at 8 o'clock. And, and this gentleman came up to me. He's, he's, he's in his, I can't say how old he is in case he's here. I don't want to, you know. But he's an older, stately gentleman, white hair. And he says, a year ago, you started talking about this. When I first came to this church, we were $250,000 in debt. I started putting God's principles at work. That debt is half gone. We're giving like never before. We've never been happier. I got the chills up and down my spine. Because that's exactly what God does. When you align yourself with God's principles, God then has the freedom to show up and say, all right, I'll give you an idea. I'll give you a skill. I'll give you a talent. I'll give you an opportunity. And I'm going to bless you and bless your family and bless others. And you're going to live off the rest. I want you to have the expectation that you serve a God who says, I want to bless you. I want you to, I want you to thrive. I want you to win. I want you to be able to say to other people when they ask you, how'd you get out of debt? Oh, I was all God. It was all him. I, I put him first. I aligned myself with his purposes. God opened my eyes, and I began to see things I didn't see before, and he gave me opportunity, sent people to help, and I give all the credit and the glory to God. That's what I want to hear from you. Isn't that good? Isn't that what you want? God can do. I know I've got a hard time pulling you along with me today, but that's all right. I'm going to preach at you anyway. I couldn't wait to tell you this anyhow. Listen, that God has good things in store for the person who says, I will align myself with his purpose. And no matter how hopeless it looks today, or how difficult it looks today. When you decide, I'm going to get on purpose, on mission with God, get my, get my heart right, you wait and see if he doesn't supply and provide exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you could ever ask or think. Do you receive that today? Do you receive that? That's awesome. I hope that you do. I'll leave you this one thought. What causes some people to receive a miracle and other people not, it's simply their ability to receive the word, of, the word of God when it comes to them. Because so many people want to just pick and choose. I'll take this from God and that I'm not going to take from God. <laughs> it doesn't work. The key to a miracle is obedience. When God says do something, you say, I don't understand it. It's crazy. You want me to go ask people for what? When God speaks to you and brings conviction, when he says the day for debt, it needs to be over, it's done. You need to get out of debt. When God brings that to you and you say, God, I'm gonna do it your way, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna submit, obedience is the key. You cannot pick and choose with God. The key is, will you just say yes to him in every way? And if you haven't committed your heart to Christ, all the stuff in the world, you could have it all and it will not fill the emptiness you're trying to fill. The answer to the emptiness on the inside is a personal vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, who wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants you to say, you know, give me your life. Let me have your life. Let me call the shots and I'll take you further than you ever dreamed. That's his plan for you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, would you talk to every person here? Give them the conviction to not just live for themselves, but to say, God, I want to live with margin so I can be on mission for you. And if they don't know you as your Lord and Savior today, may they pray this prayer. Just say it with me. If you desire to be free from that slavery of living for yourself, of holding God at a distance, trying to make it all happen, and it's not working, you can be free of that today. Say, Jesus Christ, I am sorry for holding you off. 
for trying to play God, trying to control everyone and everything. And today, it stops. Today, I, I surrender. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow you as best as I know how from this day forward. That's you. Will you just say, yes, God, that's me? Holy Spirit, every person that needs prayer today, help every person that's calling out to you. Show yourself strong in their life in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Keep coming back. See you next time. Isn't it incredible to know that we can still thrive? I think God deserves a round of applause for that. What an awesome message.